Hey, Trails Collective. Welcome to Voices from the Collective, a podcast coming to you from the mouth of the East Coast in upstate New York. I'm your host, Ellie Pell. This episode is the recording of a live show between Trails Collective founder Ian Golden and Hurt 100 Mile champion Debbie Livingston. Debbie is an East Coast legend and decided to head to Hawaii to prove just how impressive she is. Debbie is signed up to run Hard Rock this year, so we look forward to seeing her thrive out there as well. Before we get to the show, I would be remiss not to mention this episode's sponsor, Styrofoam. The next time you take a drink, make sure it has an impact. Trails Collective World. This is Ian uh, coming to you this week with a few pieces of what would be a weekly rundown. Um, I'll mention a couple events, uh, anything coming up, things about to uh, close out. And then the real focus on the deeper dive for this evening is going to be uh, digging in with Debbie Livingston. Uh, Debbie, we have had on the Trails Collective live series with uh, Ellie Pell uh, early on. And we are stoked to have her uh, back on the show and following a pretty stellar uh, effort in Hawaii this past weekend. And we will dig into that uh, in just a second. For those of you who are tuning in uh, to either the Trails Collective YouTube channel or my own or the Trails Collective Facebook channel, thank you for being with us tonight. And we will also have this uh, for you to replay uh, later. Um, And as a podcast, uh, Ellie Pell. Uh, who's helping out with Trails Collective Media will also be uh, porting it over to wherever you uh, get your podcast to listen back. I uh, appreciate any of you who are willing to share. And those of you on tonight, for sure, feel free to uh, drop any comments or questions into the uh, comments box. Some we may be able to plug through. Uh, some just let you um, interact with one another. And uh, if you've got any questions or comments for Debbie, for sure, let us know and we will plug those in. Uh, so uh, let's get into it for this week. Again, going to start with just a few pieces as I uh, typically would have with the Trails Collective weekly rundown. Well, actually, with that said, a big shout out. I always want to say thanks to all those who are supporting us through uh, Patreon support. Uh, you can find us, uh, if it's not linked on the website uh, very clearly, uh, it, you can probably just Google uh, Trails Collective uh, Patreon support. Uh, we have a number of individuals that are making small monthly contributions. And for those of us who didn't catch, or those of you who didn't catch maybe uh, part of where, actually pretty much where all those initial funds have gone to is supporting uh, Northeast runners and hopefully doing some big things. Uh, So this past week or so, we had a few individuals that we supported uh, in heading down to Bandera. And one of them, Ellie Pell, had a phenomenal day and secured the uh, golden ticket for Western. Uh, So we will uh, do what we can to not only cover trail running in the Northeast, but also uh, provide support to uh, Northeast runners who are uh, making an impact and doing some pretty incredible things. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for commenting. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So a uh, few events, uh, something still fairly quiet uh, in the Northeast at the moment in some of the trail races upcoming this weekend. We've got the Frosty Fat Sass put on by uh, Kim and the crew at Sas- Sasquad uh, Trail Running, uh, saying every uh, every event is a trail party. Uh, it's running at South Mountain in New Jersey with a 5K, three-hour, six-hour uh, registration is open through race day on Saturday. 
Got the Chili Cheeks 11K in Reading, as well as the Angela Ivory Fat Ass this Saturday, and the Beast of Burden uh, Winter Edition coming up on the 29th. Uh, events that are filling up uh, quickly here in reaching their capacity. So if you're interested in them, you may want to get on it now. We have Notch View in Massachusetts. We've got the Dark Side 8-Hour in Mid-Maryland Trail Festival in Maryland. Uh, Cayuga Trail is one of my uh, races here in Ithaca. We are pretty close to closing out or activating the wait list. Uh, we've got Grayson Highlands 50 Mile and Swami Shuffle in Virginia. And registration is opening. We've got Muddy Sneaker. It's a classic 20K in Western New York. Uh, Whiteface Mountain Races, also some of mine. Uh, I have set registration to open on the 26th, and hopefully we'll have some cool uh, announcements and updates coming on that. And uh, so that's what's coming up. Uh, but the focus of this evening uh, will be uh, Debbie Livingston, and I'm going to bring Debbie in here. Debbie, it is wonderful to have you back on the show. So thank you for carving out some of your time and hopefully somewhat recuperated at this point. Yeah, actually, thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, I was actually just telling Scott, my husband, that I went on a walk with a friend and I felt pretty fast and good. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, quads are quads are healing nicely. The uh, toes are feeling better and that it, it, it's it's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, that speaks to your I think your fitness and your your toughness. We'll dig into uh hurt here uh in just a couple of minutes, but mm -hmm not the easiest course, especially if you're going out and running a pretty solid effort at sub 30 there uh, for the for the win. So uh, very telling. And maybe some of the things that maybe we can dig into here, I think just speaks to your fitness and, and background. Uh, so for those who don't know uh, Debbie, um, Debbie is a frequent flyer, not just in the Northeast scene, but also chasing some of the classic events uh, nationwide. Uh, grew up, I believe, you grew up in Central Connecticut? Yes. Yeah, grew up in Central Connecticut and living, it looked like maybe 45 minutes or so uh, northeast of where you grew up now. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> and for those who are not familiar with Connecticut, and uh, Debbie and her husband, Scott, uh, assisted me with an intro and a basically a summary of some of the uh, connective or the Connecticut rather uh, trail scene, which is pretty massive in terms of the trail resources in Connecticut. Uh, and that I'm still going to plug that here. Uh, just uh, need to reshuffle the website to figure out where to put it, but stay tuned because they put a good work into really commenting on just how loaded Connecticut is with trails. Uh, so I would assume that um, you've got some trail networks right around you there in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, that was one of the reasons we picked the place we're living in right now. We can um, go out our front door and hop right on a rail trail and then go in either direction and, and we're on single track within a mile or so. Um, we also have yeah. the Schnipsa trail that runs right through our town. And, and it's that, that was very important to us to be near trails. And it seems like looking into those of you who assisted in plugging in with Connecticut towns. And just as I was looking into that, that, uh, that seems like it speaks to Connecticut as a whole, right? I mean, it seems like most of these towns, you don't have to go very far to hit some trail networks. Yeah. All thanks to the Connecticut forest and park association, which has uh, hundreds of miles of Blue Blaze trail systems. But on top of that, there's there's other trails that connect to the Blue Blazes. So it's, yeah, it's, it's um it, you don't have to go far to get on a trail. Mm -hmm. Although some of them are quite hidden, so you would never even know you were near them. Well, that's all right. It's, I see it's just, just the dense foliage and the uh, yeah. technical terrain of Connecticut, which again, hopefully we can tie into here in just a minute with Hurt, but uh, you're going from kind of one technical yeah. uh, terrain to another in terms of dense foliage. Wow. Um, 
So, uh, so in Connecticut, uh, surrounded by trails there, you are a yoga instructor, personal trail uh, trainer, running coach, including middle school cross country. Yes. Uh, a couple of years ago, I picked up that gig and I just love working with the younger kids. They, they've, they're so malleable at that age. They, they, and, and for me, um, I tell my parents too, I coach a more holistic uh, way. So it's not just about the running for the kids. I do some mental work with them. We talk about perseverance and grit. Uh, we do strength training. We do flexibility. So they get the whole gamut. And it's um, that is a very fulfilling, fulfilling job. Um, but yoga, I've been teaching for over 20 years. And I love that as well. That's a whole different um, clientele than the uh, middle school <laughs> cross country. Uh, and and I've backed off a little bit of personal training because I got more into the coaching and coaching online. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's definitely a little more flexible, especially with kids. Um, Shepard's 15 now and Dahlia's 12. And you, you know, at that age, you you're all over the place <laughs> trying yeah. to get them here or there. And so with the online coaching, I can get that done when I can fit it in. Yep. And did you coach either of them or either they run cross country or are you in the yes. same district? That's yeah, yeah. We're yeah, actually the middle school uh, is right up the street, and so a lot of times we'll I'll just bike up and coach and um, bike back or run up and coach. And both of them, um, I was the coach for both of them. And actually, what's kind of funny is that they love it. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> they're happy to have me as coach. They're they're proud of it, and um, and so that's that's worked out well. Dahlia is uh, in seventh grade, and so she just. Uh, had me for the second second year i had um i was able to coach all shepherd all three years mm -hmm. and i was the, at the high school <laughs> the kids at the so were many of your uh current runners were they aware for instance of what you were just going out to do in hawaii well no because it's winter now so i'm not with them but um some of their parents probably know because i'm facebook friends with them now uh, -huh. uh but um shepherd already went back and told all of his uh his teammates what he did with me at the Heart 100 and um, and what his mom was able to accomplish. And I know he's proud of me. And it's it's pretty cool because, you know, how many 15-year-old boys want to spend time with their mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, not not all 15-year-old boys have a badass mom that, you know, is, <laughs> is pretty fit. And so do you think that they, for instance, your middle schoolers, do you think they can process the, I mean, I don't know if that would have had much meaning for me because that's like out of your, like, I can't yeah. even comprehend that. No, yeah, and and actually, you know, part of when I speak with them, when I when I talk with them about grit and determination, I do tell them some of the things I do, and some of them I think get it a little bit. Some of them can't wrap their head around it. I mean, there's adults that can't wrap their head around 100 miles, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> but I think they kind of get the gist of it, and um, and I've you know I've seen great things come out come out of them, and I I, I have some high school kids now that I I'll go because my son was my first year of cross country. So I go to his meets. Um, actually, it was my second year of coaching cross country. So I go to his meets and I see the kids and they, you know, they, they want to know what I'm up to now. And, and, and there's been times when I've invited them on um, like a birthday run. Last year I did um, a 46, um, uh, my 46th year uh, uh, on this earth. I did a long birthday run. So we, I think I, we ran for, I ran for four, four hours, um, 60 minutes. So five hours. And uh -huh. so they came out when some of them ran with me for a period of that time. So I think they do get it and, and they'll get it. They'll understand it more later on <laughs> when they're older and they look back and they're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Remember what so how was it looking at those athletes and just being like, you know, they're, 
I guess you're, I was going to say, how is it looking down when they're complaining about this mile or two or like being wimpy in these workouts or whatever? And it's like, kids, like you're, you're so much tougher than, than you even know right now. That's exactly right. You know, that's what, that's what I think it gives them. It's like, Hey, I can go out and run 50 miles this past week and you guys can do two, two miles today. Uh (laughs) You can get it done. So do you, so the, the issue that many of us in ultra will have is in terms of people relating to uh, what you're doing. If there's anybody from uh, Eric Kozik's crew out there with the Idiot Runner Nation, I think uh, Eric um, and his wife Becky putting together a, a brand called Idiot Runner. And I think the slogan is something like we're we're smart enough to know how stupid this is or something to that effect. <laughs> so so when you have to put it and put it in something they can understand, you've got to say uh, it's like I'm going to go for a run and end up in whatever Connecticut town like that's how far I'm going to run today. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good way to do it. I remember my very first ultra was a Vermont 50 uh, back in 1999. And I recall I was going to school at UConn and living back home and it was about 50 miles to drive there. And, uh-huh. and, and that, and that really got my gears turning in my head. Like, Oh, I just drove 50 miles. And that took me about, you know, an hour and 15 minutes and I'm going to be doing that in a few weeks. I'm like, well, wow, that's incredible. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So equating it um, with, with things real world, um, things can, can definitely help. <laughs> yep. And then another thing on your plate, I'm not sure how active it is at the moment, but, uh, also went to the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Mm-hmm. That, uh... Yeah. So that was an online course a few years back. Uh, I I'm very, very big. I love cooking and baking, uh, it, it, all plant plant-based. Um, I've been vegetarian since I was 15 and vegan, uh, mostly vegan for over the past, um, 12, 13 years. And um, the Academy of Culinary Nutrition is all about uh, plant-based and, and gluten-free as well. Uh, and just exploring uh, just, just cooking in a more healthful way. Uh, it was all online. And, um, and and what was great about it was that there was assignments to be done and we had to hand, hand in and we had to cook and like take pictures and, and write, write articles. And <laughs> uh, so, it was, and it was very um, scientific based as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then there was, there was a certification at the end. So it, that was really good. I, I do need to do more with that. <laughs> I am mostly just what I learned in that course. I'm mostly just doing with my family, uh, which they appreciate. I tell you my son tonight, I, we cooked a meal uh, together and he was like, oh, I'm so happy to be back home to eating a home cooked meal. Cause in Hawaii, like we were strapped, I would strapped on time and, you know, you don't have a lot of uh, facilities to, to do the cooking in. And so we did a lot of takeout, which is very unusual for us. And, and I said, Shepard, do you not understand that a lot of people eat this way all the time? He was like, I could never do with a mom. I love your cooking. Right. Once you're, if you're not used to what that feels like, it's wow. It's dramatically different. Right. I mean, you suddenly feel just kind of like heavy and burned out if you're not used to eating out a lot. And I mean, it tastes good. Maybe the first couple of rounds, but then you just start feeling (laughs) like, good. Yeah. Even my daughter one night, she's like, Oh, do we have any vegetables here? I need some vegetables <laughs> bad. I'm like, what? You you need vegetables? Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, I'll get you some. <laughs> Success. High five uh, yeah. you and Scott as, as parents there, I, I suppose. <laughs> so are you putting together using those skills for any uh, pretty awesome uh, power packed recipes or something that you're planning for some of these uh, ultra adventures? You know, I haven't really made any um, recipes for adventures, but I, I have actually submitted some recipes to two books. And I've, I have, I have one or two that are out there in, in the culinary Academy of Culinary Nutrition cookbook that was put out last year. 
Um, I'll probably submit another one this year. Um, for the most part, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just for the, for the family stuff. We've done energy balls and, you know, um, rice balls and, and, um, granola bars and granola and things like that. But, um, it's not, it's definitely not. And then I've done some cooking classes where I've, where I've brought people into the home and I've, I've taught others, uh, it was plant-based snacks on the go. So we taught them, I taught them how to make, um, some energy balls. And we did, uh, the chickpeas, the, the cooked chickpeas mm-hmm. that you can pack in a Ziploc and take with you. So yes, I've done a little bit of that. Uh, it's definitely something I want to dive into a little bit more, but right Finding now, time and where to prioritize yeah, that. that's the thing. It's, it's like, where are my priorities? And, um, it's hard enough just taking care of the house and doing that, my part-time job and taking care of the kids and, and Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, maybe I should try to uh, give you some motivation to try to hire you to do a di- different recipe a month or something like Ooh. that. Or years ago, I think it was just a few years ago, uh, Elizabeth uh, from Mountain Peak Fitness organized, yeah. along with Solomon, a, I think it was like a trail running retreat. I forget, mm. we might have been in New Hampshire or somewhere. I wasn't able to make it. But Natalie Thompson uh, was there, I think, speaking on nutrition. And I think that the, there was some degree of focus on endurance, cooking, and so maybe it'd be fun to try to rope you into doing some sort of uh, uh, retreat. I did note you also did a uh, yoga and trail running. Uh, was it retreat or women's retreat uh, a couple of years yeah. ago? Um, not recently, but I, I have in the past. Like 2019, maybe I saw. Yeah, it was uh, through the Appalachian Mountain Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it two years in a row, but then COVID hit and, yep. and you know, things changed there, but we might get back into that. And that was a success. It was really nice. It was out of the Highland Center uh-huh. um, up in, in Crawford Notch. And so, um, yeah, cool. so it, it, that was, that was a lot, that was a lot of fun. I mean, yoga, healthy eating and trail running are my, like my three, like really passions, um, high passions. So it was awesome to incorporate all three. Uh-huh. And you got your family behind that as well. Uh, Scott is there as well. And it looks like Scott on this trip in terms of one of your partner in crime. It's cool to see you do just family adventures or FKTs. And it looks like on uh, this trip that he put in a, an FKT on his own, right? He went up uh, Mount Kaala. Yeah. So there's there's some funny, as uh, a funny story behind that. Uh, I was also planning on do, doing Mount uh, Olamana. But the morning, the the day we got, the day after we got there, the morning we were heading to Mount Olamana was, that was only a 2.4 mile FKT, but it's got class three and class four Mm -hmm. uh, climbing in it. And uh, it poured on the way there. (laughs) Yeah. So the trail was a mess. It -hmm. was just a sloppy, uh, muddy mess. And so my plan was to hike up with the kids back down and then run it up and down. But I had to nix that plan because I would have, definitely gotten injured. <laughs> so instead we just hiked up as a family and we sat at the top and spent a couple hours, um, you know, almost an hour up there chatting with uh, some locals and had an amazing view and then slip slide their way back down uh, and then went to the beach after that. But um, Scott had saw an FKT that was available to run uh, Mount Ka- Kaala. And that is um, that course had been set, but there had been no FKT on it. And, um, and so he set his sights on that. And so he parked us at the beach and he ran to the highest point in Oahu and made his way back. And, and um, yeah, so <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, we're partners in this. So it's important for him to get that, that adventure in as well. Um, mm-hmm. Since I knew he'd be supporting me for longer than a day. 
uh, in the race. And, and so I love to support him and some of his adventures as well. And they also volunteer during Hurt, right? During the, the race. Yes. And I see them wearing sport in the shirts. I signed them up uh, to volunteer at Nuanu um, aid station. Uh, and that was the, so the first aid station was at um, the nature center, Hawaii nature center, the, 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 well, that was the start finish. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was paradise and then Nuanu and then back. So there's really, there was really only three aid stations because mm -hmm. it's a 20 mile course, seven miles to paradise, about a little over five to Nuanu and another seven back to um, uh, Hawaii nature center. I signed them up for a six hour shift and I was, they, they thanked me for that after they said that it was, it was a great, they, the, the aid station volunteers were awesome there. Uh, they met some really cool people. My daughter made uh, probably over 200 rice balls and packed wow. over 200 ice bags. Uh, they had a great time. And the, actually the head aid station, uh, the guy who was at the head of the aid station there, he sat next to me at one point when I stopped uh, for some food in the race. And he said, I love your kids. They're so great. <laughs> nice. I'm having so uh -huh. much fun with them. He's like, make sure they come back. <laughs> uh huh. So that was really wonderful to hear. <laughs> and did they have uh, in uh, typical Hawaii fashion, did they have just like kind of rice cookers going at the aid station that they were making rice balls out of? That's a good question. I don't know where the rice came from, <laughs> uh -huh. but they, they had an amazing spread there. It, it was, they had, there was, and they had it all labeled. So they had lots of vegan options and they had it labeled vegan. So you knew exactly what you're asking for. There was yep. rice balls. There was, there was, so there was a lot of Japanese inspired mm -hmm. uh, of food. Um, there was, but there was peanut butter and jelly. There was uh, grapes, watermelon, uh, you know, really anything that you could have thought you would ever want <laughs> or desired in a race, they had it and they were ready for you. And uh, it was, it was quick in, quick out. It was really impressive. So those, for those of you, so we're cutting into um, some of the hard rock detail or um, hurt details at this point. I was going to mention hard rock too, it's still on my tip, my tongue, but getting into some of the uh, hurt details for those of us joining us this evening, I'm assuming you're familiar with uh, Debbie, uh, you know, of what she just did with hurt 100 uh, hurt 100 was, I think my first ultra experience as well, I think in 2001 or something in there. Um, I was living in uh, Hawaii at the time, and um, I was aware that this inaugural event was going down, and I uh, headed over. I lived pretty close to the start-finish, so I just headed over to the start-finish uh, after work and just asked if they needed any help with anything. And uh, they said that uh, they were okay in terms of volunteers, but the pacer, uh, Luis Escobar, uh, at the time, who was leading, uh, could use a pacer. And I, I had never uh, done that. I didn't really know what that entailed. I was just pretty much fresh out of college. I just didn't really have any uh, ultra experience at that point. And so I was like, all right, I don't know what that means, but sure. And they were like, come back at whatever time. It was like 10 p.m. or something like that. And he should be back here at the, the nature center around that time. So it's like, all right. So I came back and uh, I don't know what my longest run at ever at that point was. Maybe it was like, I don't know, 20 miles or something. Uh, and then ended up, uh, I think, with Lewis, maybe the next, I think, 40 or 50 miles. I don't remember what we covered going through the night for his inaugural win that year. And uh, and so it was just a really awesome experience. But this event uh, is the Hurt 100. It's a 100 mile that runs uh, out on uh, Island Oahu. It's pretty much in the just outside of uh, Honolulu in terms of an area. 
And it's what you'd expect, I think. It's a very lush course. The trails are fairly beat down and eroded, uh, but a lot of root jungles. And going, it's basically the course follows with uh, what Debbie alluded to, like a uh, basically like a tripod configuration where you're basically going into the center and then off onto one spike, back to the center, to the next spike, back, and then back to the start finish. And uh, she mentioned each loop is, each circuit is 20 miles and for the hundred doing it uh, five times there. Um, and then maybe we can get into some of those experiences, but so the A stations you're talking about. So, and I caught a couple of clips, but the, so you got the nature center, uh, first A station in, uh, where the pirates were, that was over at paradise. Yes. That, yeah. And so it was wild seeing, and you speaking to your family, they were at the other one though. They were by uh, Jackass Ginger on the other side. Yes. But, um, that was just from 12 to six on Saturday. So I did get to see them. Uh, pop in and 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 uh, see me at the nature center, and then they also came over to uh, Paradise the, in the morning, where uh, where Shep jumped in. My son uh, just jumped in as my uh, my uh, runner, my pacer. Oh yeah, oh, cool. uh huh. That's all right. So backing it up, then again, so coming into uh, hurt is this? So you have uh, you've done maybe five or six hundred historically. Actually, this is my tenth. Oh, it's your 10th. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And you've done some classics, right? You've done, you've done hard rock. You've done uh Bighorn. You've done Cascade Crest. Uh, yes. What are a couple of the others in there? Vermont 100, mm-hmm. Pinhoti, Grindstone, Pavelina, yeah. Tahoe Rim 100. Um, my husband's helping me out here. Yeah. <laughs> I so you've chased it. some classics. I mean, you've gone after some uh, classic versions like Cascade Crest. I mean, it's one that maybe isn't on uh, as much of a national radar as it used to be, but it's like one of the original like icons or whatever. And like uh, with Vermont 100, that's been mm-hmm. around for a long time. I have also run hard rock and, and like you had mentioned before, I did get into hard rock again this summer. So that's my, my next, my next goal. But yeah, I've, I've uh, this 10th completed. I did uh, DNF at Tahoe Room 100 one year. Um, and I also, my very first hundred I tried out, which was not a smart idea when my son was uh, one year old, I went out to UTMB uh, <laughs> and uh-huh. it was one of those races where I just didn't know what to expect. And I, I was, had terrible altitude sickness and terrible mommy away from baby sickness <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, only made it to about mile um, 57 or so um, before I I had to uh, get out of there <laughs> and couldn't go on any farther. Um, but what Scott just reminded me of um, one of the really cool race, hundred miler I've done is um, ultra trail Mount Fuji. Oh yeah, yeah. I did see that as well. So yeah. And that was, I mean, quite the destination. That's not one. I mean, I guess in terms of worldwide, it's for sure, I guess a big one. Culture is huge over there in Japan, but for probably not on a lot of American radars. <laughs> no, but it was one of those things where my, as my husband had to do a business trip out there so he's like, uh-huh. why don't you go run Mount Fuji? I was like, uh, sure, <laughs> why not? And was that pretty incredible? Because that's a pretty uh, wild culture over there, right? Wild, completely different culture. We, uh, You'll have to pull up Scott's blog to read the whole story behind that. If any, any of you listeners want to read a, a crazy story about crewing, uh, that just go to scottlivingston.net uh, uh, and, you'll, and you'll see his stories. He's an amazing blogger. Uh, but yeah, the, one of the craziest things about Ultra Trail Mount Fuji was the strictness of their rules. 
you had to have all of your gear with you and working. And if you did not, you were out, done. If they had a checkpoint and your phone didn't turn on, out. That's it. Hmm. There was no time uh, delay or anything. There was just, you were, and there was, there was grown men crying because <laughs> I mean, people come from all over. They're from Australia, yeah. Brazil. And now, now they're told that they can't finish the race, even though they feel capable of it. It's just that they were missing the rain jacket or something. It was And warranted on Fuji, you're getting some pretty extreme potentials for weather or did it feel pretty remote or risky here? Yeah, you know, we did. We end up with a, a quite a big rainstorm. And so they ended up um, circumnavigating us around some of the forests because they didn't want us to ruin them. So uh -huh. the 100 mile race turned into a 110 mile race and, and a lot more road. Which was oh, wow. uh -huh. not my thing. I want trail, <laughs> uh -huh. but it was an incredible experience, and um, yeah, I, I I was that was that that one took me quite a long time. I think thirty two hours for that for that one, but I finished. <laughs> and so that's all. That's to say, you've done quite a few of the uh, classic one hundreds out there, and some pretty tough ones. You're consistently toward the top in finishes. I'm assuming Hurt has been on your radar for a while or what were you kind of? It has. And I've put my name in a, a quite a few times and I actually did not get pulled when um, the lottery came up this this time. I was number 55. On the, how on how the many did list. they take or what did they end up pulling through for? You know, that's a good question. I thinking I think they went way down the list. Uh, and I, I only I was just um given the option to jump in about uh, seven weeks ago. Uh-huh. So it was and one so of were you pretty stoked? I mean, is that something you've looked forward to for a while? It, it has. And I, you know, you had three days to respond. If you don't mm -hmm. respond in three days, you, they'll just move on move to on. the next person on the wait list. And I said to Scott, I'm like, we've been, you know, we had this on our schedule. We removed it because I didn't get in. But I said, you know, this opportunity may not come up again for a long time. And the only reason it came up is because there were so many restrictions, the, the COVID protocols and the fact you had to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated to be, to run. The crew had to be vaccinated. The pacers, uh, only one crew at a time. There, there was no pre-race party. There was no post-race party. So a lot of the hoopla around the race that people really love wasn't there. It didn't matter to me. I was there to run. I, I wanted to do the race. And, and you know, you're, you're in Hawaii. That's, that's amazing <laughs> in itself. And um, we have friends there, so we had relatives there, so we wanted to go visit them. And we went. So I said, I said, I I'm always ready. I'm I'm never at a point where I'm like deconditioned. I'm always at a point where I'm ready to ramp up. So I'm like, I can do it. I can ramp up my mileage. I could be ready. And and I was. <laughs> Which is awesome. And and another uh, brief uh, detour. Speaking to your always ready fitness. So even when you're not doing some of and you've. Uh, so, right. so speaking to you always being ready, even outside of the events. So you, at least on the fastestknowntimes.com uh, website, you've got 44 FKTs, uh, at least again, mentioned onto that site that puts you number three overall uh, of all females. Again, take that for, for what it's worth, <laughs> but there's some pretty good efforts on there, but you're also out there pushing the envelope. It's excuses to go visit some of these other places, but you're also doing one to two a month since like in the COVID window from 20 to 21. So you're, you're doing quite a bit out there. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's um, our family's very competitive. I just that's how we <laughs> that's how uh -huh. we roll. So when races were canceled, we're like, we got to find something. It's just we love to push ourselves and to and also 
what I found with the FKTs that brought you to new places that you wouldn't, wouldn't typically go. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a new training partner, which I haven't had before, my friend Laura. She's 10 years younger than me, but she's super strong and fast. And she's she's probably even a little bit more crazy than I am with fitness. And <laughs> so it's been a good match. And um, she's done a couple of these FKTs with me. And, uh, and, you know, I just went for a walk with her earlier this evening. It's, it's one of those things where it's, I, I've never really had a training partner. I've always done things on my own. Uh-huh. So it's been really nice to have someone that, that pushes me. Um, and she, and, you know, and then I can, I've been able to push her on the longer stuff and she pushes me on the shorter stuff and we, we make a good team. Um, so we've been have fun doing that. And then I've, I've done quite a few with Scott and then, and then sometimes I'm just like, I just. Just want to. I just want to get another FKT this weekend. So I look on the 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 schedule. I look at the site and I I, I pick a few and I go out and see what I can do. <laughs> That's great. All right. So uh, perpetually pretty solid fitness. Uh, found out seven to eight weeks ago. Uh, how did you? So going into a hundred mile like hurt. Um, I guess what's your typical? I guess just weekly average training volume workout structure. And then how did that change as you tried to ramp up uh, in that seven to eight weeks? Yeah. My, my typical structure is probably about 30 to 40 miles of running a week. Uh, I, I, when I, where I teach yoga is eight miles away. Uh, so I, on a rail trail. So uh, a lot of times in the summer I'll ride to work, ride home. Uh, when I found out I got into hurt instead, I turned that into running. So I would run to go teach yoga, teach yoga and run home uh, just to, just to ramp up the mileage that way. Uh, my uh, yoga at least twice a week, usually three times a week I teach. Uh, and then uh, my uh, I'm a little haphazard with, with strength training. I know I should do a little more, but I did ramp that up and got my kettlebell swings going again and goblet squats and and um, and uh, uh, some core work with uh, planking and side planking mostly and um, push-ups. One of those things where like, before I go to bed, just bang out 10 to 25 push-ups. It's nothing special, but it, every little bit counts. And mm-hmm. what's fun when you do it that way is that the kids usually join you. Yeah. And so so now they're getting some fitness in as well. Uh, so I ramped up to, I think my longest uh, mileage week was about 85 miles. Okay. Uh, my longest run was 40 on the Quinnipiac trail. It was an out and back FKT. And that's a really, really tricky trail. Lots of rocks, lots of ups and downs. So when I got that in about four weeks to go and I felt good with it and, and, um, I took, I, I, there was no FKT set on that cause it was a new Quinnipiac trail. There was a new section to it, but I, but it was longer than the old Quinnipiac trail. And I took an hour or so off of that out and back time. Uh, nice. And it was a little longer. So I was very happy with how that turned out. Um, it's, um, I, it, I, I don't tend to go over 80 miles at my peak. I know my body. I know what I'm capable mm-hmm. of. Once you get past a certain point, you start to break down and diminishing returns. Sure. I couldn't, that was, that was my goal too. I, I had to be able, I had to be ready. I, I had to get mm-hmm. to the start line uninjured. And so going to and from you basically turned it into functional fitness to a certain extent in terms of running to the uh, yoga sessions and back. Uh, so that kind of makes it more like doubles a day, which is good, right? In terms of the ultra effect and being on your feet and 
Um, don't have to think about it as much. It doesn't burn you out, hopefully, as much uh, mentally and emotionally. And are you doing like quality work in there too, in terms of up tempo stuff, or is it more just getting in the miles and, yeah, and, so and then an FKT race? So yeah, that that's pretty much it. I mean, I I a lot of times I'll throw in like um, 30 30s where you run hard 30, easy 30. Um, there there's um, an eight mile loop, a hilly eight mile loop um, near my house that I like to do, and and I would. I would like, I would run easy for a little bit and then run hard for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, or I would just go out and run it as hard as I can and see what, see what I get. Uh, I also, my friend that I was speaking about, Laura, um, I would run with her really early on Wednesday mornings and literally like hang on her coattails. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, it was awesome because we would just talk and, and we would push in and we, through, through trails, we'd be doing like an 830 um, average minute mile. And that was, and for seven miles. And so that would, that would, that was what I considered my speed session. And then I, of course I threw in a lot of uphill climbing. Mm -hmm. I did a couple, um, sessions where I ran to, a uh, an uphill mile and a half uphill. And I went up and down, up and down about 10 times. Uh, so it ended up being about 30 miles or so. Nice. Well, maybe not that much. I think I went about you know six times, but anyways, I, I got in at least uh, three or four, three to four hours, and and there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of uphill and hurt. Yeah. So yeah, what's the cumulative gain for the hundred? Well, you know they they say twenty three thousand on their uh -huh. site, but it's really more like twenty five thousand. Yeah. Because every every everyone I've looked at uh, the that collected data, it was definitely over twenty three thousand. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that you're going to needing to get that in. I guess in Connecticut, you're surrounded by technical trails and you get some uh, hills or whatever, but you'd have to drive a bit to get sustained climb. Yeah. Right? We, I had to drive down to Hamden, Sleeping Giant State Park. There's a mm -hmm. nice one and a half mile uphill climb. Yeah. Uh, so and I guess that's not too bad. I mean, I guess yeah. because you're doing the circuits and you've got three basically good climbs in every circuit, it hurt the climbs it's been 20 years so years since i've been there yeah. since for sure some steep sections and the climbs can be sustained but they're what only a couple miles long or yeah that's like true that? yeah there were i mean I, probably at the most two and uh, two two and a mm -hmm. half maybe two yeah the most two miles up and yep. and it's not straight up there yeah. are some really steep spots but i did actually end up grabbing my poles for the last two um loops uh just to take a little bit of the pressure off my um my lower body just so mm -hmm. i had more to give at the very end and i think that was smart I, I don't like to have them all the time um if because unless it's of course like hard rock where you're climbing for four hours five yeah. hours um with her I, I wouldn't be climbing as long and i i don't i don't prefer to use poles on downhill mm -hmm. i like to stow them and just fly so I, I wore um, my Ultra Spire um, fitted belt and I just yep. slid them into the back. Um, I pulled that on with, with two laps to go and I used that as my uh, way to carry my poles when I didn't need them because I just had a small, um, the small Ultra Spire spry pack on for the rest of, for the entire course, which worked out perfect. So it was one liter uh, bladder and that was, that was all I needed between aid stations. And sometimes I, I even went to aid stations without... I, I'm not a heavy sweater, so that helps <laughs> helps a lot. Um, and then I would drink a couple cups of um, they had scratch um, at the aid station, so either a cup of water, a cup of scratch. Um, I down I would down that at the aid station, and towards the end, of course, Coke. 
uh, Coca-Cola or whatever caffeinated beverage I had, which is funny because I don't drink any soda at all, unless it's in an ultra. In that race, right? Yeah, right. And then you- Good, good right, race you, food. Right, you get the Ben Nephew effect in terms of, right, measuring the success by the amount of Coke that you drink there. The, <laughs> so for those of you then who, for the, uh, as you can imagine, with a trail event uh, in Hawaii or on Oahu, you could get this. For those of you who haven't really explored that course or seen images of it, Take us through a little bit what you, I guess, were expecting out of the course and then take us through that circuit, like, and make maybe some of the more uh, visceral moments, like where you're like, wow, like, like I'm in Hawaii or this is because yeah. I, I have some very um, vivid memories of the night runs that I used to do when I was just living there just on my own. And some of the like Hawaii, the uh, Oahu lights in the skyline at night and these, like a lot of very potent visuals. So take us through the course and some of the things that really were remarkable for you. So the start of the race is, a, you, if you recall, it, you're pretty much just going straight uphill and it's all, all rocks and roots. It's a very wide path. So what I remember, you know, it, it, we started in the dark and I just remember like it just was crazy to me. The, the path was so wide because it's just so, just so well used, mm -hmm. too well used almost. So it was interesting just trying to follow people up. I'm like, who's, who's taking the right route here? I had no idea. Yeah. So I was just trying to stay somewhere in the middle uh, chatted with some of the women and the guys and, uh, and, and then once you, um, get to the top of that climb, then it, then it's, then it's a little bit more switchbacky. Um, there's some nice ridge running, uh, which reminded me of, um, courses like Hellgate, um, uh, where the, but what's nice about Hawaii is there's hardly any leaves on the ground. <laughs> so whereas in New England, we're, Oh, we've got leaves everywhere, scattered yeah. everywhere. And same thing with Virginia, with Hellgate. It's, it's, you never know where you're stepping here. I knew exactly where my foot was stepping every single time. Mm -hmm. uh, then you hit uh, the one section that was unreal, but um, the flats, the, the paoli, I think I'm saying it yeah. right, flats. It's all roots. <laughs> yep. It's just a puzzle. And, and you're just hoping you're stepping in the right places. Uh, and then, and, and you're having to take big steps. And, and then uh, you, a little farther on from that is a switchback downhill. And then you go through an area, what one of my um, friends that I met on the run called the bird's nest. And it was crazy roots, yep. small spaces in between where you can fit your feet on a side hill. So uh -huh. you're, like, you're holding on and you're stepping through. And, um, and, uh, and then uh, you hit on the way down to paradise. It's all switchbacks all the way down. And then, and then we call these, the rocks, um, baby heads. I learned that from my son who's a mountain biker. So all these loose rock and, and you're, and then you're, you're flying down there and, and you get to the pirate's cove in paradise aid station. And then you have to come, um, you come back up that same way. So what's kind of cool about it is that now you are seeing who is behind you and how far back they are. So you got to do the math mm -hmm. in your head. And, and, uh, but the crazy thing was when I got to the first aid station in paradise, the, the, I came in and they said, you're the first woman. I said, no, 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 no. That's not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was. And I was like, okay, all right. Now I got big. So, uh, I got so this is in. right. You're talking about the first section. So like seven miles in or whatever. The, seven miles in the first yeah. stage. And I'm already in first. I'm like, uh -huh. am I going too fast? What's going on here? I said, I feel good. Like, <laughs> this is I'm awesome. So or it's all downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, then I, and then you climb back up, you go through Pale, Paoli Flats, and then you head down to Nuanu. And that's another section of those rudy rudy parts and then once again it's switchbacks and it that's 
and, and um, after you go over this ridge line, whereas really it's the only exposed part of the course mm -hmm. where you can really see the sky and the yeah. sun is beating on you. The rest of it's all under canopy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that you fly down and then you cross the river. And then um, my husband, that's where my husband and kids were working. And they said a lot of people were trying to keep their feet dry. But I looked at that and I said, you're going to get hurt because yeah. they're covered in mud. They're big steps. I'm like, my legs are not that long. I'm just going to go right through the water. And that's what I did every time. The challenge there is now your feet are wet every mm -hmm. 20 miles. And that's when blisters start. So right. I, it's I, hot you know, and humid and it's wet and it's slimy. And yeah. But, but there's a rope. There's a rope to hold on to. So you go to the aid station, you turn around, you come back through the water again, then you're going to climb back up out of there. Uh, and then you do go through some gates eventually, which I believe are to keep the hogs out because mm -hmm. there's wild pigs out there. We did. We only saw wild pigs before the race started. I never, I never came upon any during the race. We did hear a lot of really cool birds out there. And then you go through a gate, through another gate. And then, um, and then it's a nice ridge section as well, slightly downhill. Uh, and then um, you cross over, which was really interesting. It's, it's, there's, there was a piece of trail that you cross over twice in the race. So it's, it's like a, almost like a crazy figure eight. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so that piece of trail you hit um, t 10 times instead of five because you cross over and you go yeah. so it was it, mentally it was really confusing i'm like why are we going over this again <laughs> but it we, i made it back to the to the start finish um uh, the last bit of trail is called the pipes um and that is a horribly rutted rocky muddy section that is so dangerous it's definitely an ankle breaker if you hit wrong uh before you before you get back to the start finish um but then you get going there and you turn around, and you go right back out and do it again. One thing I failed to mention is that on the uh, coming down to paradise in the first, the first section, there was a gate that was locked. So we, we hit a gate, there's a lock on it. And um, like, we're like, okay, the, the guy and I, that I was running with a guy named Adam at that point, we're trying to figure out like, okay, this gate is locked. We're the only people here. Are we, are we on the course? But the flag was hanging from the gate. Mm -hmm. So we climbed around it and continued on down. And we saw someone that was working for or volunteering. And I, we told him about it. He said, well, we know, we know. When we came back up, the gate was still locked. There was like 20 runners on the other side of the gate trying to come through. Uh -huh. <laughs> Everyone's climbing up and over it and around <laughs> it. And um, and and, and the, uh, that guy, Adam and I, we, we went, we had to go through the bamboo and around. And then he, I, I went a little too low. He had to pull me up. And I'm like, I feel like we're in an adventure race now. We're not even in a trail race anymore. That would have made it an awesome spot for a race photographer to be right there with people going around <laughs> yeah. it and over it or standing there looking confused. Oh, and... we were so confused. Uh, so huh. they eventually got it open. The next time we went through, it was it open. <laughs> so yes. those are some visceral. That was some crazy points to it. I'm trying to think of some other, um, other, other points was the water crossings were incredible. The pipes, uh, when it, the first loop I did in just under five hours, the second one, a little over five, the third one, by that time it was dark. Darkness is very long in Hawaii in the winter. Uh, we had about 13 hours of darkness. So yes, you're going to slow down a little bit. Plus you're a little bit tired. Um, my, my third and fourth lap were a little, were definitely slower. Um, they were more like around six hours, but my fifth lap of, of course, you know, now you smell the barn. So yeah. you're, you're, you're pushing a lot harder. Plus I knew there was two women. 
that were very close behind me. I did gap them a little bit going into paradise. They had, I probably had about 30, 25, 30 minutes on them. But then when I got to new Anu, I was climbing back up and they had halved. They had oh, halved. really? Game time. Yes. Yeah. So, uh -huh. and I, I had, I was running most of that. that that's a good climb back out of there. It is. So I, I shepherd, my son was like, mom, you can do this. You got this. It was so cute. And, and I just pushed up that hill. I knew if I could get up to the top of the hill, if I can get to those gates, the rest of it was mostly downhill. Downhill is, is my superpower. I, especially if it's Rocky, I, I, I know I could run as fast or faster than anyone else on the downhill. The uphill is, is my kryptonite. And, and, but I focused, I pushed and I did end up crazy enough. I thought they would be right on my heels. I did end up 21 minutes ahead of second place. So you did, I mean, you extended that on that descent, just like you'd hoped you would in terms of what you can do. And, and they didn't smell the barn quite as much then. Or well, uh, yeah, I don't know, but they were battling it out because they were neck and neck. The two, um, Anna and, and Melly there, and they were phenomenal. And they were, they, they had a great race as well, but you know, what's cool about it is that I know I'm 47. Um, Anna's 20 years younger, <laughs> super strong, but I just, it, I'm so proud. I'm just kind of proud that as a 47 year old, I can still. Totally. <laughs> I mean, if anything, this past weekend was an amazing, amazing time for women runners and moms in the U S right. With, yeah. uh, we're talking to you here cause you had an amazing performance at, at age uh, 47 on a, a tough course coming from an area where you don't have the big climbs. Well, and mm. but then you've got Houston, right? You have the uh, marathon record broken by, I think she's 36 or 37 and a mom of uh, two, I think. Uh, and then uh, the half was Sarah Hall, also a couple kids in here. And she's been racing for, I don't know, like probably 30 years at this point. Mm. Um, it's an amazing weekend where the bar is just kind of ratcheting up for, I guess, women in the, uh, the sport as well as not slowing down and, and getting up in years. And yeah. It, yeah. It, it's awesome. And the longevity to me is what's most important. Uh, so it, it was, it, it just felt good to be, to be able to I get bet. out there and, 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 and perform, perform that way. I mean, I love rocks. I love roots. I love ups and downs. So I, I always felt like this would be a perfect course for me. Like you said, though, it's hard to get in. It's hard to get in these races. It's hard to schedule January races with mm -hmm. the family. It's it's. We had to pull kids out of school. My my son missed his first day of midterms. He was a little, little freaked out by that because he's such a studious boy. But it ended up all working out. And and um, you know, we we we're back. We're back in the swing of things back home. And uh, and we're all on a high on the trip. <laughs> and it's fun to hear you take us through the course too. And Grace. Uh... I don't know whether you've met uh, Grace Langhine yet. Um, an amazing, uh, tough uh, woman as well. Also a mom. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun here. You go through the course. Some of that going into paradise. I remember being just one of my most favorite descents. You you clear that root jungle or root network. And then yeah. you start going into the switchbacks down toward uh, Manoa Falls. And you, you're just surrounded for those who haven't been there by these massive banyan trees with just these like yes. roots that extend out and the fingers that come down. Uh, and it's just, you're, and you get the visceral smells as you start. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of pockets there that I remember before you hit Monoa Falls where you get like whatever it was, the 
papaya or the mango trees or the flowers or whatever. And it yeah. was so visceral. And then you hit Manoa Falls before you hit that like last, whatever it is, a mile and a half uh, descent into what would have been that aid station or, or parking lot or <laughs> when I was looping from home or whatever. And it's just such a beautiful section. And, and the other one that you mentioned, yeah, you clear this other ridge that you're going down into uh, that second aid station where your family was. And you do get this open expanse where suddenly like, it almost seems like it was like a clear cut area and yeah. the foliage is down. Yeah, you're on like this ridge, like this, this point. So it yeah. drops off on both sides and you have incredible views of, of uh, Waikiki. Uh, and, and, and then at night, it's just this amazing sky. We had an incredible moon that night uh, and a very clear sky. So you can see all the stars was funny that was we asked a friend of ours who um afterwards if he had seen the stars that night and he's like i never looked up <laughs> you uh -huh. almost can't most of the time because you're like yeah. you're worried about where you're stepping Put something uh-huh yeah but those it's unfortunate if if you don't make the time to actually stop and just take that in on occasion and uh and you speaking of the knife edge you just mentioned too for those who also haven't been there i mean you might see it in in pictures but it's impressive how and speaking to you not doing the fkt the one day where it rained hard uh that gets crazy i mean those sheer um uh, topography there is wild just how steep that really is and you are on these knife edges and then it's just so slimy um in spots that it's it's really dangerous out there yeah yeah that uh, the mount Olama. I think it's been saying it correctly. Um, we have read that people have died up there. Mm -hmm. the, that first hike we did with the family. Cause it, if you're not prepared, I mean, we saw people hiking in cracks up there. Um, you just, just one lady sliding down on her butt. Cause she, she had no traction with her, whatever shoes she was wearing, but people go unprepared. I mean, that happens all the time here. I and mean, we have mm -hmm. the same issues in the whites and you know, up in Maine. Um, they have the same problem there. But yeah, it's it's like you got to know what you're doing and you got to know what's going on around you. And uh, luckily, this ridgeline that we we're running across in the race, it wasn't that as scary as Mount Alamo, um, Olama. Um, but it's it's um, it was grass. It was more grassy. Mm -hmm. so The traction was actually pretty good. But yeah, it was a little bit steep in parts. And, and it was it was neat that you can see off both sides. Mm -hmm. Right near that A station where your your family was, there was. Again, I think it's, I think it was called, well, it was locally, we call it Jackass Ginger. Um, yes. It's a place that we used to go to swim and there was a nice rope swing there. We always had to be conscious, I think, of leptospirosis. We didn't make sure we didn't have any like open cuts or whatever in the water oh, there. Yeah. But a really cool place to go and and swim and uh -huh. rope swing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so did it, how did, so yours, you mentioned uh, in the fives, first two laps, then it slowed to like sixes uh, and then closed decently. But that's wow, that's a great job out there, especially over that terrain. And at night, uh, you didn't really slow that much. I mean, you really held it together. Yeah, I, I know. I, I I didn't have any real low points. I had some slowish, a slowish loop that I just felt a little bit tired. And I used my poles a lot more and did probably did quite a bit more walking, even on some of the downhill tricky spots where I was running the first loop. But overall, uh, yeah, my energy level was, my stomach was good. I had a little tinge of, of um, feeling sick on the downhill in, in, in loop four where Scott ran with me. Um, it was, the, you know, the downhill pounding. 
Yeah. And your stomach's just jostling. I was like, mm, that's when I turned to drinking the the soda. <laughs> and, that, and that always helps. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and, and then backing off of the food a little bit. So grapes and soda were really um, what brought me through that point. But the last last loop, I felt great. And I just knew I was I was ready to be done, ready to 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 finish this off, not actually be done. It was really interesting. Um, I think we only had 46 finishers in all mm-hmm. out of probably about 115 starters. So around there. So it was a very high attrition rate. I mean, some of it, uh, my, my kids were telling me that some people um, quit even in the first loop. And, and these types of loop, I say, but, you know, like you said, it's Circuit, more of a yeah. tripod. Yep. It, it's these types of races are really hard mentally if you're not going in completely and totally prepared and focused on 100 miles. Because mm-hmm. you're back right back at the start finish in, in 20 in 20 miles, in 40 uh-huh. miles, in six, you know, 60 miles, in 80 miles. And if you're not committed, totally committed to that 100 miles, it's going to be hard to get back out there. The other challenge in this race is that the cutoffs are pretty tight. I mean, the it's 36 hours total. And if you can't, if they're, then they're, the cutoffs don't start till towards, till towards the end. But I mean, I did a 29 hour race and I was first woman. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, yeah, you, you've got to be moving out there. It's, it's, it's not. It's 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 not easy. Uh-huh. It's, it's, the cutoffs are hard. The, the terrain is tough, and mentally it's tough. So there's a lot of challenges with this with this race. And they have a I can't they have a hundred k going as well. It's not just hundred mile. What's the other distance? It's just hundred yeah, miles. There's a there's a sixty seven mile fun run. Oh, <laughs> but uh-huh. it doesn't mean anything. They said they'll give you a pat in the back uh-huh. <laughs> if you can get to the sixty seven mile mark. So I wonder what their attrition was for those who just, they weren't up to it versus those who got time cut to your point. Cause you are right to be 29 hours at the top female and it's a 36 hour, right? Is that 36 it, hours? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, totally. You yeah. have to be in by uh, some of it was that, I think, you know, a lot of it could have been that, you know, when they, they went so deep into the wait list mm-hmm. that there could have been a lot of people that were invited to go and they, 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 weren't, totally they there. weren't really ready yep. possibly. Um, I don't know. I mean, it did get hot. I definitely felt the heat Saturday afternoon. Um, luckily, I, I just I deal really well with the heat. I'm not a big person. And I said mm-hmm. I'm not a heavy sweater. So I think that helps a lot. Uh, so if you are a big person, if you're a heavy sweater, if you don't do well in the heat, it, it definitely would have affected, affected you. And if you weren't ready for the downhill pounding, I'm sure that that took its toll on a lot of quads. <laughs> and that is very runnable there. I mean, despite the amount of technical terrain, there's a lot of running there. There, there is, especially on the downhill. If you can run, you can, um, yeah. you can definitely make up a huge amount of time on, on the downhills. And, and there's some, there is some flats too. Yeah. And, and, and it's also, I mean, it's, it's some of it's, I wouldn't say extremely runnable, but it's like, if you are, Ready to run, like I said, I ran the last five miles, the entire last five miles, even the really rocky, rudy, this terribly rutted section of the pipes, where my son was like, I can't believe you're running this, mom. He was slipping all over the place, and I'm like, I gotta be done. I'm gonna get there. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a um one of the places that I lived out there, uh 
in Makiki, I lived maybe a half mile from the nature center there. And so it was just the daily run or whatever to go up, start basically the way you started in the course. I would loop and come down, come down hogs back and finish down uh, what you had started basically in reverse. And I remember a little bit before I left, uh, coming down that section, uh, there was a woman, it seemed like she was maybe like in her 60s or something like that, that was a a daily walker uh, out there. And the first time I came up uh, behind her, I think I probably hollered from a distance like uh, to your left or coming up or something like that. And it was just this um, smaller woman dressed in, in all white, had kind of a hat on, maybe wearing gloves, um, really keeping like the sun off of her or whatever, but like really in her own space. And as soon as I yelled like runner back and coming up or whatever she just freaked out and she just started like screaming and like hyperventilating and i was just like ah, ah. and i think i probably just stood there and like are you okay and, and she just kind of was like kept like hyperventilating and i and then she was kind of okay and i ran on but i was like i just i just really messed that woman up and i'm i was i'm you know i'm kind of on my daily run here too so kind of got over it or whatever and Next week, coming back down, I, I'm around the same spot. Here she is around the same spot again, walking in front of me. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, here we, here we come again. And I tried to, I think, maybe say it more softly or maybe got a little closer. And I just started kind of more walking up behind her as opposed to running. <laughs> same thing, freaked out, started yelling, <laughs> hyperventilating. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, like this, this, isn't, this isn't working. And, uh, and I think either I had one more i think a third time literally like a week or two later and i'm like i i'm i'm i don't know i give up right i give up i, I don't know what to do and it, it was pretty much the same thing and then i think i moved shortly afterward but it was also made that section all the more visceral so talking uh, about people on the trail when during the day when we were heading down to paradise that is a heavily trafficked area and of course it's a saturday you weaving in and out, in and on, out. Your left, mm -hmm. on your left, on your right. Sorry, I'm coming through. Uh -huh. So that was really interesting. And the same thing on Sunday morning, coming down through the pipes, there was so many people walking on that. <laughs> My son's like, she's coming through. She's coming through. Uh -huh. <laughs> the people, they didn't freak out like your woman though. <laughs> and so in your at least 100 mile history, you've pretty much kind of been, I guess this would just be, so in terms of what you have coming up, it looks like you've got uh, Mount Mount Tammany. Is that inserted specifically because you've got hard rock coming up and that's a good <laughs> way to just get in the elevation? So we've, uh, uh, yeah, yes, part of it, but um, we just like the course. Uh, Scott and I were supposed to do that last year. It didn't happen because of COVID. And um, we we did it two years before that and we enjoyed it. And we liked the race director, Alex, Alex, um, and he just ran as well with you at Hurt? Yeah, yeah, he's at mm -hmm. Hurt. He just finished his 14th Hurt. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Real time. So we picked his brain about Hurt, so he helped us out with that. And um, it's just, it's a really good course at a really good time of year. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so so we we it, 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 we picked that one, and we've got Trap Rock coming up as well. Um, and that that's a good local one. Lots of climbing, lots of rocks. Um but now that I'm back from hurt, now I can really plug in more races. I was kind of one of those things where I couldn't think about Hard Rock yet because I had to focus on hurt and get all the logistics. Because you have to imagine, like traveling right now with COVID, it was just there was just so much anxiety. You know, with school 
and with possibly the flights being canceled, you know, you know all sorts of stuff that and work related. And uh, so I, I couldn't um, I couldn't think much about what other races to add to add in. But now I can I can dive into that. And Hard Rock, having been through it once, you've got a good sense of what you're getting into. Your family has a sense of what you're you're getting into. And is that are you just stoked or are you nervous? Or are you anxious? Um, uh, yeah, stoked for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. This the the plan to was five years ago. And uh, my, my I've been trying to get in again the last um, you know, four years or so. Uh, and my my plan was to be able to run it the opposite way. So, and that's what's going to happen. So we're oh, very uh-huh. excited about that. And the other plan is that I'm going to get out there at least two weeks ahead of time with the kids. Um, my plan is to enroll them into a mountain bike camp or oh, something. Right uh, they, my son is so enamored with mountain biking. The past couple summers, we've been going up to Killington for downhill mountain bike camp camp for both of them. But I figured that would be a great great way for me to to acclimate to to the the altitude. I'm not the greatest altitude person. That's what I that's what I figured out, and I realized by going to UTMB, you know, 15 years ago, having those issues, and then Hard Rock five years ago. That was my slowest hundred miler ever, and I wasn't tired or sore after that race. It was just that I couldn't move any faster. Yeah. Yep because of lack of oxygen and we do own an altitude tent and it works to the point where I don't get altitude sickness anymore, but it doesn't make me any faster. Mm -hmm. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to make the time. Let's go out early. See if that can, can give me that little extra edge to at least go a little bit faster uh, and feel a little bit more comfortable in the race. Uh, And so that, that's the plan there. And I'm excited about that. And I also have some friends out there that I want to visit. So yeah, we make a, make we'll make a bigger vacation out of it and uh and the kids will get get a little camp experience whether that like i said is mountain bike camping or maybe there's an outdoor adventure camp i can enroll them in and the tent uh you using that specifically for, is did you get one from hypoxico or who's yes tent? yeah yeah uh, uh and what are you using that just in general all the time or will no. you break it out just going into hard <laughs> no, rock because it's not it's not comfortable to sleep yeah, in and the winter much. maybe but in the summer it's horrible we've uh-huh. definitely got to put a little air conditioning especially when you got two people in there sometimes mm-hmm. the kicks got out i'm like you gotta yeah. go I'm like it's way too hot um we only use it for the altitude races because i i i just much rather sleep uh not inside of it um and and uh so when i did bighorn this past summer we used it for that. Uh, obviously, used it for Hard Rock. Used it for Tahoe Rim. But if it's not, if it's under six thousand feet that I'm running, I we don't bother setting it up. Yeah. And for those who don't have experience running at altitude, and as uh, Debbie alluded to, it is just an interesting mm-hmm. feeling because it's like you just, you just, I don't know. I I just feel like, for instance, I'm just having a bad day out there. Like, I just feel like I'm just like dragging, like, ah, and I'm like, nothing really hurts, but I'm just, I'm just dragging. I just can't move any faster. It just drives you nuts, huh? It's like, oh, you like, you know, you want to go faster. You'd like to run the hills and and the Uh flats and you're just like, just can't do it. Yep. Well, that's cool that you have that resource uh, going into that. I was scrolling through, I think actually my oldest daughter was going through some of my photos the other, the other night on Google photos. And there was one we got back to where Brian had um, sent me one of the tents going into 
I think it was Wasatch maybe. Uh, and, um, and there were a couple, the girls were playing in there and, and to what you just said about Scott too, uh, Sherry was like, Oh yeah. Like I remember like, I, I wouldn't sleep in there with you. Cause it was just not, not comfortable. Like that was ridiculous. And, uh, but it's a very, it's cool that you've got access to that, uh, for the risk angle, I guess. Yeah, it is. It's, you, it, 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 you, you know, I got it years, maybe, oh, at least 10 years ago when I was definitely running more competitively. If you can come on, are <laughs> you, you ever not competitive? All right, but no, I get I what know, you're saying. I know. Yeah. But at, at that point, like I was focused, like I had a coach. Are you ever know? not focused? What are you talking about? Like you're <laughs> still killing it. All right, but I get it. Keep going. All right. No, I, I, but I actually had a plan. Like there was a whole focus to my work. You know what? My my training right now, it's so interesting. I'm coaching myself and I don't even write a plan. I just know I want to get a certain amount of mileage and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, what fits into my schedule today? And I know I want to do a certain amount of doubles. I want to do a certain amount of long run. I want to do a certain amount of um, speed work and hill work, but I just, it really just goes day by day. It's so interesting. Um, Whereas before I had a great coach, um, Al, um, and he was a great mentor of mine. I had him for eight years uh, and he really got me into coaching uh, others uh, because, because of all that I learned from him. Uh, but then I hit a point, you know, about six years ago where I was like, you know, I just don't feel as competitive. I don't have that drive, that, that real competitive drive mm-hmm. where I'm going to be placing, you know, first and I'm trying to, you know, but I, I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know how, how just recently that I felt, I mean, Bighorn, I actually did quite well there too. I placed second in my yeah, age group. Second. Yeah. And, and that was to a 40 year old, which. Uh, let me tell you, 40 and 40, well, 46 at that point. It's a big difference, right? <laughs> big right difference. around that 42, 43, like yeah, things change. Every year, like, the big, how old are you? Right I'm now? about to be 45, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know, like every year is uh, like, it's, oh, it's noticeable. Like it's dramatically different. <laughs> um, so I just think that the hurt course was my course. Like it, it's, 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 it's all the things that I'm good at. And, um, and I just was, went into it focused and I just felt good and, um, and my body's working well. And that's an important thing too, especially at, at our, you know, once you get in the forties, mm-hmm. your, your body has to function well. And, and, and if you do too much of one thing, you're going to get injured. Or if you neglect one part of you, if you don't eat as well, I, I'm sure my plant-based nutrition is huge. Mm-hmm. I also sleep a lot. I, I get almost nine hours of sleep a night, at least. which is huge right there. Right. Right now. Right. Yeah. That's huge. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I don't drink alcohol. It's just, I never have. It's just one of those things where I like, it's never been part of my, my thing. So uh, uh, that, that could be a big part of it. My, my drink of choice is water. <laughs> so what um, else is still, you've, you've picked off some, as we mentioned, some good classics, um, some that have spoken to your, I think, then strength strength sets as you're talking about. What what else is left on the um the to do list? Do you have any? Is it always changing, or do you have a certain amount that like, wow, I still really want to do this race, whether it be a hundred or something else? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I've never been able to do Mass and Nutton. I think mm-hmm. that would be a good course for me. I've I've heard it's really ro- Rocky Rudy, ro- mostly Rocky. Um, th- that sounds really interesting. 
it always falls around the race that I race directed for almost 18 years, Soapstone. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm not race director of that anymore, but I still feel like I need to be there. It's still a part of me. So um, I was actually able to run it last year uh, with my husband and my son. And it was his first half marathon and he beat me. For your son? First, <laughs> yes. He beat yeah. me. Proud he mom. He's not too. He's only 20 seconds back. Uh-huh. He's he's going to be some incredible athlete. It's it's fun to watch that unfold, and uh, and I'm sure Dahlia will be too. Um, when she when she um, when she improves on her her ability to work towards something, she just wants to race and be good at it. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the training. Um, what other? I, you know, I like. I'm interested in stage races. Oh, stage. Yeah, sure. I, I've done the ragged. Uh, well, it used to be called the Emerald Necklace, but it's the Ragged Mountain Stage Races now. And um, those that type of racing is really intriguing to me. I feel like I recover quickly. So I, I, I like to run and then sleep and then get up and run again. So someplace exotic for one mm-hmm. of those. It, they just have to fit into the schedule. And that's always, that's always a challenge. I'm sure you understand yeah, that. that. Totally. And there's not... Right. There's not, that's a little bit trickier. Now I start thinking there's not that many of those out there in terms of the stage race format. You do have to do a little bit more searching. It's just not as common. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, there, there's, um, you know, there's, um, uh, there's a couple out West that I know of, but there's, uh, the one, the one in Morocco sounds really intriguing, but that's all in sand. And I don't, I just don't know how I'd run on sand. We run on the snow and that's about the same. Yeah, so those those I definitely want to look into more. Up to this point, they've been a little. I haven't as much just because you can't. I can't really be away from my kids and family for that long. Yeah, or I don't want to. I mean, I can. Right, that's the that, one, yeah, that's the parent instinct or kicking yeah. in when you're separating. You're like, I just kind of want to be with my kids. Like yeah. when you're out, especially when the my. So uh, if if you're still on here, Gabriel uh, Rufus uh, Matico uh, was uh, one of our viewers uh, this evening. I'm not sure whether he's still on. Uh, but he and Trent Swanson uh, did Dragons Back this past year oh, over in I Wales. Oh, that. Yeah, that one looks wow. absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely not that tough, but I'm still like, I should probably go over and try to do Dragons Back. I surely won't finish, but it looks absolutely incredible. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I know about that, right? That's kind of... <laughs> But Gabe, if you're still on here, feel free to comment. But that was that was one that, in terms of a stage race, yeah, yeah it was absolutely incredible. I don't remember what month it was, but um. yeah. So as I find that I've been finding that a lot of them fall end up in the fall, and mm-hmm. and that's like now as a cross country coach, I'm like, oh yeah, I think it probably was. This was probably like in October. Yeah. So unfortunately, that that is a challenge because I mean, I I'm I'm paid to be there from the end of August to beginning of November. And, and that's like, that's, I can't really team trip. You need to find a cross country invite over in Wales. You need to take the team over there. There you go. Yeah. Surely you can work <laughs> that into the, the budget somehow. Little, little lemonade stand fundraiser there to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That sounds uh, great. I actually, um, what's kind of cool. Like you were just talking about field trip for these kids. I do. Um, I cr- started a spring, um, a spring youth running program. So, I'm trying to build up running in our community. Soccer uh, takes precedence over every mm-hmm. other sport in yep. our town, uh, which I understand. I was a soccer player myself for 14 years, 
But I feel like if you can teach a kid running and that they and then they can like it or or maybe not, but just get experience of it that even if they don't like it, that maybe 10, 15 years from now, when they're in college or they're starting a job and they're stressed and they um, they can bring their mind back to middle school running and get put their lace their sneakers up, get out the door and relieve that stress and 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 get that feeling back and and uh and and you can do it anywhere so i i i'm trying to get more kids into the running uh and so i started a, a spring youth running program and it's for ages nine to four to 14 and and i take kids um out on the trails it's cross country and trail running two two evenings a week and um i teach them the we do some uh, warm-up drills and then we go out when we run the trails and then we come back and we strength train and stretch and um this past spring i had 27 kids sign up oh that's great and and um it's been that's been a wonderful experience so i'm doing that so then i can get more kids to join the cross-country team mm -hmm. in middle school um at, at our at our town middle school but the kids don't have to be from our town to join that so i've gotten um, other kids from other towns to join. And then what's really cool is now in the fall, um, the kids in Bolton, where I, where I coach, they know some of the other cross country kids in the other schools. So when they go to the, to the meets, um, becomes they, for sure more family friends. community. Yeah, yeah. They, yep. It's, it's, it's the sportsmanship and community that they're building. And, and it's really, it's been really awesome. Awesome. Anything that, uh, that uh, maybe we didn't touch on about hurt or otherwise it would be fun to touch on or um, I know putting you on the spot is how they're like, no, yeah, I I can't like yeah. I mean, we covered a lot <laughs> so yeah. covered yeah. a lot of angles a lot of different things um I I I I guess I just want to reiterate about you know doing different things it's 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 for for, for me for trail especially with trail running like, actually people always ask me aren't you going to ruin your knees or you know you're you're going to burn out and i'm like well that's why i run on trails mostly there's a big mm -hmm. difference you i'm going to ruin it by sitting there if i don't run on trails yeah yeah i like sitting and actually sitting is and hanging out and watching tv is much worse for your body than going out for a run mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's the you know i tell them you know, when you're, when you're, every step you take is a little different. So you don't get that repetitive injuries. And then every foot strike is a little bit more forgiving because the ground is a little more forgiving if it's not the pavement. Although I do run on pavement. I don't not because like, especially this time of year, you kind of have to, uh, but it's um the, the trail running is, it's just being on trails is just amazing. And, and I love it's just exploring all different yeah. trails, all different places, all different ways. Uh, whether it's, 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 it ends up being hiking <laughs> because the trail is so steep or rugged, or, um, you know, you end up, you know, slip sliding down a trail because it's so muddy. It's, it's all the experience of it. And, and, um, and I love sharing that with people. So uh, I guess one last thing I want to say is this, the coaching that I got, I've gotten into is actually really interesting. I don't promote myself uh, because I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a marketer that's, and I mm -hmm. only like to carry a few athletes at a time. So mostly I, I get my athletes through, um, through referrals, through word of mouth and referral. Uh, and, and that's been fun and that that's all different types. So I, I, I'm right now I'm working with a woman who's running the Boston marathon and I have another athlete named Mindy who's been with me for years. She's wonderful. She's a coach herself. 
so it's really it, that's been really fun. And she does all sorts of races from from five miles to a hundred k. She's gotten up up almost to a hundred miles in the past, and um, and you know we and I make sure that they're cross training and not just running and getting their strength in and flexibility and um, so that that's been a, a lot of fun. But I, I like working with all ages. Um, like I said, I love the kids. I really love the mm-hmm. kids. Uh, but I also love working with the adults. Well, it's wonderful that you know that you're you're where the coaches come to get get coached. Then uh, <laughs> in that regard, so it speaks to you and the the influence and respect for you. Uh, well, it was awesome to see you. Um, you know, when I reached out to see whether you'd uh, join me, it was not. It's always a little bit of a uh, roll the dice. Is this okay? Is the person that's going to put pressure on what if it doesn't go well or, you know, whatever. Well, and Yeah, I mean, you were good. You you actually asked me before I even raced. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you had yeah. no idea how I would do. Because I think it's just as important, right? And in my head, I'm like, and I weighed that. And I was like, I don't want to put the pressure on. But I, ultimately, all right, so if you crash and burn 60 miles in, like that's a good experience too, right? And a good takeaway and why and, you know, and so – Ultimately, it was like, however it goes, uh, but it was awesome that it went really well. And it's awesome yeah. that you took the win there. And it's awesome you had a good experience. And it's awesome that the family got to go. Um, so congratulations. Um, you truly are awesome. And it's it's great to see you keep uh, keep cranking. Um, yeah. It's- so thank you for And so if people do want to find you, though, um, where can they track you down or reach out to you? So uh, I have a website. It's Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, Livingston. Dot com, um, or you can reach me at, at Trail Running Mom. Um, although on Twitter and, and like my husband's helping me with this, but I got to get on Twitter a little bit more and Instagram. He's like, you got to promote yourself more. I'm like, ah, I don't know how to do this. He's my photographer. He's my he's my writer. So he'll like I said, he'll be writing a blog post. So you'll be able to um, go on to scottlivingston.net. And you'll be able to read about um, the experience and and all the other um, races and experiences that we've had over the years. <laughs> he's um he's an amazing writer. I'm so fortunate to have him. He's an amazing crew as well. Uh, so uh, those are those are those are a couple ways. Um, on Facebook, I'm Deborah Schiefer Livingston. Schiefer is my maiden name, so you can find me on Facebook as well. Well, Debbie, thank you so much uh, for connecting again and hopefully we can maybe connect again after you take the women's win at hard rocker you know, something like that, oh, that yeah. would be really hard that would be really hard right? there's got a lot of things have to go wrong with the other women for that to happen there is you never know though maybe they never know thought... hail and you never know <laughs> that's what i always tell my people i'm like i that's what i've told my kids too i'm like you run your hardest in a race you could you never know what's going to happen to the competitive competition in front of you Anything can happen. All right. Well, uh, great job. And thanks to all of you who have been uh, tuning in. Thank you for liking the stations and sharing them and reaching out. And thank you to all our Patreon supporters and those who maybe will become Patreon supporters. Thank you for supporting Beast Coast and uh, Runners. And we will catch you on the next round. All right. Thank you, Ian. Bye, everybody. All right. See you. Gazelli on Instagram and Twitter, 
You can find The Trails Collective on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters for their continued support of what we're trying to do. And remember, be kind. Be kind.